Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Like the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul is willing to give up everything. He is willing to give up what's best for him. He is willing to even give up heaven for the progress of the people of God. That is the Christianity that will make a difference in this world. That is the authenticity that our young people are looking for. They want to see people who really are about giving their lives up for other people. Paul was willing to give up his whole life for the progress of God's people. As we continue to study the epistle of Philippians, Pastor Jim will be teaching today on Paul's Christ-centered understanding of death. He says that he would prefer to die and be with Christ, but... He would rather live, not because of the fear of death, nor because of the personal things he would like to do, but because of the lost, and because of all the people that he would like to continue to serve. For him, to live was Christ, and to die was gain. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part three of his message entitled, Joyful Crossroads. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message, but for now... Here's Pastor Jim. The Bible teaches that we all die once and then we meet God. The Bible says it is appointed unto man and woman to die once and then the judgment. What is the judgment for? What you did with the Savior. What you did with Jesus Christ. Now if this is it, if we just go in the ground and die, then of course we should be materialistic and live for pleasure. Of course that should rule our lives. If this is it, it's a pretty disappointing prospect, isn't it? If this is it, then we should live for ourselves. And I would tell you that the Apostle Paul would not think that is a ridiculous remark. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, he said, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are completely wasting your time. I am completely wasting my time. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead because Christianity is Christ, and if he's dead, then Christianity is dead. But he even goes on further. He says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. And why? Because you're still in your sins. Still under the judgment of God for not living a perfect life, for living a life with our back turned to God. Notice the wording he used here. He says, I'm going to depart and be with Christ. Is that how we think about our death? Is that what we think about? Do we think that we're going to die and to go home with Christ? Or is maybe something else that we're thinking of? See, a lot of times Christians only think, as well, I'm going to have all these problems we have here. That's not to live as Christ. The reason he thinks this is for a Christian, death is the entrance gate into the immediate presence of Christ. And on earth, the Apostle Paul has great intimacy with the risen Christ. And friend, you can too. You can't apart from the Bible. You can't apart from prayer. 
You can't apart from living for God because when there's that great disconnect, there's a great disconnect. But death provides an opportunity, an open door for greater intimacy with Jesus. Now, there will be people who will knock on your door and say, well, this is what happens when you die. Uh, You die and you just go to sleep. And then eventually when Jesus comes by in a long time from now, he'll wake everybody up and then you'll be with Jesus if you're a Christian. Well, let's really say, is that possible what the apostle's teaching us here? To me, as I read it, the tension that he has is between serving Christ and seeing Christ. Do I stay here and serve Christ to live as Christ, or do I want to go see Christ? There's a tension between being intimate with Christ here and being intimate with Christ in eternity. I see no tension between serving Christ and taking a nap, do you? I don't see it at all. He is thinking, okay, I'm with Christ now and I will be with Christ when I die. There is no in-between time. We call the in-between time what they would call sleeping. They call it soul sleep. Uh, Theologians call it the intermediate state or the disembodied time when we're with Christ, but we are not with our resurrected and glorified body yet. That's why it's very important to think of death in the initial phase as not as a place where you're walking around, but as a person where you are spiritually with the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle is clear here. He would prefer death, but not because he hates life, but because he loves the Lord and to be with him, look at what he says, is far better. Now on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ through the cross and resurrection, he defeated death. So death for the Christian is not the dreadful enemy it is for the rest of the world. And in an odd sense, death is a welcome friend because it is the way that the Lord brings his children home. Because we, like Christ, will never die because our hope is in a resurrected Savior. And the Bible teaches that for a Christian, death is not moving from the worst to eternal life, like, ah, I can't wait to get out of this place. No, not at all. But it's moving from the best, okay, to live as Christ, to the far better, to die as gain. It is just getting more of Jesus. But friend, before we leave this section, let me just say something with the utmost of pastoral sensitivity to all of you who have lost loved ones. This does not mean we do not mourn the loss of loved ones. We have experienced a great loss. If they died in Christ, they have experienced no loss. They are going on to something far better. But we have experienced a great loss. And so much of Christianity sometimes is, well, let's just call it what it is. It's plastic, right? And people who don't believe, and particularly our young people, they're looking for a realistic demonstration of what this Christian life really is. And so when someone dies, let us not be plastic and pretend that it affects us in no way. It's just not real. Well, you say, well, look at the Apostle Paul. He doesn't even care if he dies. Of course he doesn't care if he dies. (laughs) But he certainly cares if others die. 
In chapter 2, we'll be talking about a fellow by the name of Epaphroditus, and he brought this gift to Paul, and the Apostle Paul is now writing basically a thank you note back to the, the church in Philippi. And we know that in the travels, he became very sick almost to the point of death. And this is what the apostle is going to say, that the Lord had great mercy on me, the apostle, because I would have had sorrow upon sorrow had he died. I would have been sad. It would have been great loss for me. Many of you are familiar with John chapter 11. A fellow by the name of Lazarus is sick. Mary and Martha send for him. And it says that Jesus waited He didn't go running. He waited. And they told his apostles, he's dead, but I'm going to go raise him from the dead. And then he comes, and and very interestingly enough, he comes, he tells Martha and Mary that he's the resurrection and the life, that you need to believe in him. And then he goes to outside the tomb. And, you know, for most youth group kids, their favorite verse in the Bible is John 11, 35. Jesus wept. I heard somebody just yell it. (laughs) Why do the youth group kids like it? Because it's the shortest. (laughs) It's like, here's my Bible verse, memory verse for the week. Jesus wept. And then he raises Lazarus from the dead. I'm going to challenge a little bit of our thinking. Um, What's the miracle there? Now, most people would say that he raised Lazarus from the dead. But, you know, like a lot of times people say, every time a baby's born, it's a miracle. But it's really not. It's just the way, the natural order of things that God has put into place. And God raising his people from the dead is just the natural order of things, not one that we're used to seeing, but it is for him. So what is the real miracle? I'm going to challenge your thinking. You can disagree with me. That's fine. I think the real miracle is that the incarnate God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one with the ability to call life and the universe into existence with a single word, Jesus Christ, the one who could raise people from the dead simply by calling out their name, stooped so low to cry with people that he loved people so much that he was willing to enter into their grief, to enter into their pain, even though he knew he would rise Lazarus from the dead because he knows the loss is great for you if you've lost loved ones. He knows it hurts. He knows it's painful. And he never asked you to be plastic about it. What does he ask you to do? To come to the tomb, to come to the gravestone, to pick up the picture that's on your bedside and to weep with him. That's how much he loves you. That's how not plastic Jesus is. But when we who are Christians break camp, when we leave port, the uncertainties of life are left behind and only certainties lie ahead. Now there's a lot of books written about heaven. In fact, the Southern Baptist Convention, the second largest denomination in the country outside of the Catholic Church, the largest Protestant denomination has voted to not to carry a lot of the books anymore because the Bible is largely silent on heaven, except on the most important certainty of all, and that is we will be with Christ. Then all those who have turned to God, put their trust in Jesus, will be made more alive than they have ever been before. There will be no more pain There will be no sorrow. 
we will live an eternity of unsurpassed joy. My dear friends, a proper theology of death, what happens to us when we die, being ushered into the presence of Christ will help us to enjoy and embrace this life. A proper theology of death will help us not to fear death. Why? Because Jesus is in death. Jesus is there, and we will be with him. So that's from a philosophy of life to a theology of death. Number three, a reality of Christ. A reality of Christ. Verse 24, he writes to them, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh or to remain alive is more needful for you. He says, for me to stay alive would be better, to die would be better for who? Paul, the apostle, but to live would be better for the Philippian church. Verse 25, and being confident of this, I know, now maybe God told him, we don't know, maybe he's just saying, I believe or I'm trusting that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me, that I'm alive, may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Now, these are particularly countercultural verses. We are living in a world right now, a Christian society that wants to be more like the culture we live in, We're trying to be more like the culture because we don't want to be thought of as weird. We don't want to be thought as being sort of outcasts. We want to be accepted by everyone. But in order to do that, we have to, they're not going to come to our side, are they? So we're going to have to go to where they are, but we have to be very careful in the way that we do this. And we have been in the books that are popular in our Christian bookstores, in Christian radio, in many of the things that we've been exposed to as Christians, we don't realize it, but we have been subliminally brought into the culture. And so here the apostle comes with us that is something that is completely anti the bent of our flesh and the bent of the way our secular culture and our Christian culture drives us. So what is he saying? He says here, it's very clear. He's saying, for me, the better option is heaven. But what is also clear, and this is the reality of Christ operating in someone's heart, in someone's life. He has the heart of Christ. What's also clear is, while death is better for him, life is better and best for the Philippian church. So for him to go on living is better for others. I can say this with all sincerity and all confidence. I desire to see the Lord. I know I do. I look forward to that day. But on the other hand, there are many people that I know and that I love that I do not want to see God's face until I know they will see God's face. They are close friends, family members, and even people in this church who I know have not given their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ. 
The apostle is confident when it comes to his life or death that the Lord will make the right decision, but he is telling us, until then, I will live with Christ. I will live like Christ. Now think about how amazing this is. He faces the possibility of Caesar saying, you're telling somebody there's another king, I'll make an example with you, off with your head. But think of how amazing it is that he says, I don't want to be martyred, not because I don't want to lose my head. I don't want to be martyred because it's painful. I don't want to be martyred because I have so many things yet to do in my life. He says, I don't want to be martyred because I want to come and help you. I want to stay here because I want to live and serve Christ. And then in verse 26, it says, I know you'll be so thankful for God for that because I'm able to come once again and teach you the word of God. The Philippian church is only 10 years old. Full of new believers. Full of new believers. And I want to draw the line in the sand for any of you who have any hope of leadership in this church. So it's clear So you and I understand, so we're all on the same page. Christ-like leadership must be willing to make sacrifices for the church. Jesus Christ died for the church. The Apostle Paul says, I will go on living if I have to. I will even forsake heaven for the church that Jesus Christ loved and gave his life for. Notice why he says he wants to do why he wants to do. Look what he says, for your progress, and joy of faith. That is completely counter-cultural. What is it most about? Our walk with God, my walk with God, my faith, you know, my Christian life, me, 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 me. The Apostle Paul wants to see the reality of Christ lived out. I want to talk for a second for the older saints that are in this room, that are in this church, and I want to tell you how important you are to me. Some of you think that you're getting older and God does not have much of a place for you anymore. You are here for my progress and my joy of faith. And I will speak for myself and I will speak for my wife. We need you. Please do not think that you are not useful in a generation that does not respect old age anymore. You are here for our progress and for our faith. You have a great place in our hearts, in our lives. And like the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave up heaven when we get to Philippians 2, we're going to be blown away by what he did. Like the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul is willing to give up everything He is willing to give up what's best for him. He is willing to even give up heaven for the progress of the people of God. That is the Christianity that will make a difference in this world. That is the authenticity that our young people are looking for. They want to see people who really are about giving their lives up for other people. Not being so self-centered. Not being so self-absorbed. My goodness. They're sitting in their rooms on the internet all day. They don't even know what a real Christian looks like anymore. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. When a man says, when a woman says, 
I would rather forsake heaven for you. I would rather forsake heaven to see you grow in grace. What a death blow this is to the me culture of our day. What a death blow this is to Christianity in America today, that the well-being of others would be more important to the Apostle Paul than it would be to himself. And here we get a major sign that you are following Christ. You say, how do I know if I'm following Christ? Here's a major sign. You ask yourself, what is best for the church? What is best for the people of God? Friends, for a true Christian, the gospel informs everything. It informs how we make decisions about everything. If we come to church on Sunday, if we sing the songs on Sunday, if we are serving God in our lives, if we are serving others in our lives, if we are giving of our time, our talents, and our treasure to the kingdom of God, if we care for others, if we're praying for others, if we're inviting others to hear the good news of Jesus, and notice very, very carefully that in the word of God, it is not the exception. Among the followers of Jesus Christ, it is not the exception. It is the expectation of those who are experiencing the reality of Christ. Quite simply, friends, we are becoming more like Christ as more of him is in us. This way of thinking, this way of unselfish living is only possible in a person who has seen this in Jesus Christ themselves. It is only possible in a person who has experienced Jesus Christ themselves Such thinking comes from seeing and experiencing the incarnated Christ, God who became a man. It comes from seeing the serving Christ. It comes from seeing the crucified Christ. It comes from seeing the resurrected Christ, the ascended Christ, and the returning Christ. And while others in our world are walking around complaining about everything, true Christians put Christ first. And the apostle sees Jesus Christ serving the world on the cross. Remember what Jesus said, Mark 10, 45. We kept on it over and over again. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Just like the apostle Paul, Jesus Christ was arrested. But unlike the apostle Paul, Jesus had to die on the cross, in your place, for your sins. So all who would turn to him and put their trust in him could have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And when Jesus returns, and oh my friends, he will. And if you don't meet him in his return, you will meet him in death. Will that day be great joy? Or will that day be great heartache? That day will be great joy for those who have trusted in him and great sorrow for those who hadn't. And so each day we live at a crossroads, whether they know it or not, the true question is, will that day end in joy or will it end in sorrow? That's a heaven and hell question. It's a heaven and hell crossroad. The apostle wrote Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
the only hope of heaven is Jesus Christ in you. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, it all comes down to whether you put your trust in Jesus Christ or not. That's the only hope of heaven. That Christ, when you put your trust in Christ, that Christ would come into you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your only hope of joy in this life is to put your trust in Jesus Christ again and again and again. And so I pray for all of us that we will put our trust in Christ today and every day. Well, that concludes the teaching portion of today's broadcast of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Moores Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Join us next time as Pastor Jim continues teaching through the book of Philippians. You can learn more about Changed by Love and Pastor Jim by visiting our website. The web address is changedbyloveradio.com. Again, the web address is www.changedbyloveradio.com. Changed by Love exists because of the generous donations of our listeners, and we would like to ask all of our listeners who have never written us to preferably consider writing us today and let us know that you are listening to the broadcast. In fact, many of your letters are read to our congregation to encourage them in this ministry. You can write to us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You can also give us a call for more information, request resources, or for prayer at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. You can also send us an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. If you are in the Morris County, New Jersey area, we would love to have you visit us. We are located in the center of Morris County on Route 15 South. That's all for today. Until next time, God bless you, and our prayer is that you too would be changed by love.